Hey there, literary fans, and welcome to episode 16 of Jeff Reads His Book. I am your host, Jeff, and today we're going to be reading chapter 16 of Bringing Balance, a book I wrote in a month. If you want to get in contact with me, uh, you can head over to my website at jeffreadshisbook.com, and there's a few ways to get in touch with me that are pretty damn easy. So... Uh, last week's episode was pretty exciting, am I right? It was our first, uh, special guest episode, and it featured my wife. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. Uh, I know she enjoyed at least being on it, but I'm not sure that she's actually listened to it yet. I think she's a little nervous about that still. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes, like, listening to yourself speak, eh, it's not the most fun. Obviously, I've gotten over that fear, because... Like, here I am, right? We're still doing this damn podcast, so it clearly doesn't bother me that much anymore. I can even listen to this without cringing. Uh, well, maybe from some of the book content. But, you know, from my talking, it doesn't make me cringe, I guess. So, uh, yeah, she really enjoyed it. Um, I think you'll remember it had a lot of drinking breaks in that episode, so we both had a little bit of a rough morning the next day. But, you know, that's okay. That's okay. I actually had to head to a football tailgate party. Uh, I'm not a huge football fan, but I am a fan of drinking outside November, so that, uh, that was pretty fun, even though I had somewhat of a headache, but, you know, you, you gotta do what you gotta do, am I right? So for me, Sunday and Monday were terrible. <laughs> but, anyway, uh, yeah, that was last episode. We should have maybe one more guest appearance. Uh, I did go out with some friends this past Friday, and I did get to speak to Glenn, one of the people who have read this book, and he is under the impression that he will be a guest star on this podcast, so we got to get him in here. I don't think he's listened to this podcast, but that's okay. That's okay. He remembers the book better than uh, my wife does, so that's fine. So anyway, uh, so since we have a regular episode, uh, why don't we dive into some feedback? Pretty exciting. I said last week we weren't going to go over my wife's feedback because she was on the podcast already. So today, we'll go take a peek at what she said about chapter 14. Chapter 14, discussion questions. Okay, the first question, can you get potato chips or chips of any kind in the world of magic? So she does make the good point, probably. You can whip anything up in that world, right? That makes sense. But if you're just going to an inn, you probably can't get flavors, right? Like, I bet they don't have sour cream and onion. That's my personal favorite potato chip flavor, I think. Uh, but if you're going to an inn, you probably can't get flavors. Unless they have a flavor of the day, right? That'd be fun if they're like, you know, today we have cheddar cheese. I don't know that they'd have cheddar cheese, like... I guess you could make powdered cheese using magic. That seems fine, yeah. So maybe they would have, like, cheddar cheese, yeah. But they're definitely frying them up fresh to go, she says. That's a good point, yeah. So these would be even better than, like, maybe a bag of Lay's. Oh, probably greasier, too. Mm. All right, I'm getting hungry now. All right. Um, okay, I asked, what about the wanted photos? What do they look like, right? Because there was a wanted poster with our heroes on it. Uh, just Henry and Margot, actually. 
she says, the wanted photos, I think they are like from the 1800s, like a black and white old camera photo. That's what I thought of, what I thought of right away. With a big wanted on top of the picture. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, like the Old West kind of wanted posters. I was just wondering if it would be more uh, Harry Pottery and, you know, the pictures moved. I hope not. That seems kind of gimmicky to me. Um, let me see. Oh, oh, oh. Um, the third question, I don't understand her answer. So we're going to go back to the notes for chapter 14. Oh, how sick of stew would you be <laughs> in this world, right? It's all they freaking eat. Okay. I know I get tired of stew around day three, she says. I ate it once for dinner. Then by the second day, I've taken it for lunch. I don't want it anymore. So I am guessing that at the very least, Erin is just totally sick of stew. That would have been a nice detail of her personality to write in. But this book's written and it's not there. So... Oh, well. Anyway, you know, it's not the best written book. What are you going to do? But speaking of writing books, it is National Novel Writing Month. I just did some quick math, and uh, I'm recording this on Sunday the 18th, so all you uh, nanorimoers, is that how you say it? Right? Uh, who cares? Anybody participating in National Novel Writing Month, you have to be at 30,000 words on today. And I will say, you should probably be way ahead of 30,000, because... If you're American, Thanksgiving's coming up quick, and that is not going to go well with trying to write a novel. Good luck trying to write 1,800 words when you have to bake or make a turkey. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah, so make sure you get a buffer. If you haven't done it already, you got to work hard Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night. Ugh. So anyway, today... We are on chapter 16, so I looked ahead. It is a seven-page long chapter. Um, we're going to see some mild excitement this chapter, so a little less boring than, let's face it, last chapter was a little dull, but on the other hand, I think having Laura on as a guest made it worthwhile. Yeah. Uh, this one, uh, just glancing, if I remember the story correctly, Margot's going to have a good chapter. She's going to come out looking pretty, pretty sharp, but... Uh, We'll see about the other characters. I'm not so sure about them. So uh, I don't really have any more lead-in other than, you know, this is chapter 16. I'm starting to get a little sad because chapter 22, six weeks away. What are we to do with this podcast? I'm really not sure. But I got six weeks, I guess, to decide how to deal with this. Maybe we just have to start reading some of the other books in this series. Am I right? That kind of means, though, that I'm going to have to start writing more books to, <laughs> to this series every year. Because after, what, three three podcast seasons, I'll be done. I'll have to go back and, oh my god, write more of this. Oh boy. Anywho, I don't see any reason to delay any further. So with that, let's just dive right into Chapter 16 of Bringing Balance. So today, while I read Chapter 16, I'm going to be sipping on some Evan Williams 1783 Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey on Ice. Uh, I'm a big fan of this Evan Williams one. I've had it on the show at least once before. Very inexpensive, but tasty. Basically, I think I've said it before, if you're drinking Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey, it's always going to be good. It doesn't even have to be Kentucky. Straight bourbon is the key words on there. That means it's actually been aged for the proper amount of time. And don't let me hear from all you people 
you know, who drink that bullshit, like, fake age stuff like that. Uh, so I'm in Cleveland, Ohio, or the area, not actually in Cleveland, but they have Cleveland whiskey here, and they make Cleveland bourbon. Oh, so they make it in, like, two weeks via this, like, uh, pressurization system where they throw oak into a thing, and they keep pressurizing and depressurizing to force the whiskey in and out of the... Uh, the wood, and it does not work. It does not taste good, and, I mean, it costs... So this Evan Williams I'm drinking is, like, for a 750 milliliter, it's, like, I don't know, $16? It's not expensive. In that Cleveland whiskey bullshit that they basically can make in, you know, three weeks tops, they got that crap done. Uh, that's, like, $35, and it's just garbage. It doesn't even compare. It, it doesn't even compare. So, and a lot of people around here think that's some new technology. Yeah, they tried that in the early 1900s. It's not, it doesn't, it, it's garbage. So yeah, drink real straight bourbon. That's the way to go. Yes. And this Evan Williams is fantastic. Mmm. I love it. And I'm going to have to go upstairs during a drinking break because I drank quite a bit during that intro. You probably couldn't even hear that though. Maybe... Maybe it was before the intro. Whatever. Doesn't matter. And I'm running on an empty stomach right now, so it's having an effect pretty quick. Might have some slurring this episode. <laughs> what? Hey, if there was slurring last episode, episode 15, from either Laura or I, you got to write in, because that was pretty funny. We were having a good time. <laughs> all right, all right, let's do this. Chapter 16. Here we go, here we go. The four travelers reconvened the next morning in Marissa's cozy kitchen once again. That once again seems like a little bit of a word patter right there, right? Just adding, just padding my word count for the day. Like the previous day, the mother-to-be, I feel like I've used that a few times now. The mother-to-be, just all right, come on. Like the previous day, the mother-to-be had prepared breakfast for them once again. Oh my god! The first two sentences both end with once again. <laughs> Unlike the previous day, Wilson was still home while they ate. Both were aware of the group's plan for the day, and both were concerned. Henry had been trying to allay their fears. Ooh. We'll be totally discreet, he explained. Nobody will even know we're there. Margot couldn't help but roll her eyes. Henry, never have I heard of your being discreet, she asserted. Turning to Marissa, she explained, I promise nothing will happen to either Aaron or Stephen, and Henry and I are, in, and Henry and I are more than capable of taking care of each other. And I'll do my best to keep Henry under wraps. Oh, he's such a hooligan! <laughs> That really hasn't played out in this book, I don't feel like. Eh, I don't know. Whatever, Henry mumbled, leaning back and crossing his arms. Whatever, Henry mumbled. Uh, mumbled, okay. Let's try again. Whatever, Henry mumbled, leaning back and crossing his arms. And we'll be back by dinner for sure, Margot asserted. I think you should both realize, Wilson said, looking at Henry and Margot. That your presence here is a bit of a hot news item amongst the resistance. You could have, you could both have as much help as you wished. Henry sighed. No, I don't think that'd be a good idea. There's no way the resistance could overcome all the mages and soldiers controlled by the magistrates. 
A small operation would be our best bet. How are you going to open the door in the temple? Aaron asked. There'll be more guards there today, too. It's not like they didn't know we were in there. Shrugging, Henry said, I'm not sure. I'll have a look, then I'll handle it. Stephen and Aaron looked at each other, frowning. We should get going, Margot suggested, rising from her seat. The earlier we get this business finished, the sooner we can be out of your hair, Marissa. Oh, please, you're, you are all a delight to have, she said, waving a hand at Margot. Henry joined Margot as she walked to the door, followed by Aaron and Stephen. The four exchanged goodbyes with their hosts and headed out into the world. The morning was pleasant, with blue skies and a warm sun rising in the eastern skies <laughs> in front of them. Skies appears twice in that sentence. Great. Perhaps it was just the weather, but Henry had a feeling that today would go well. As they walked, Henry wanted to clear up an important issue. Aaron, Stephen, I want to make one thing clear. Margot and I are still the only wanted people, that's in quotes. So if we get into serious trouble, you two need to ditch us. Margot nodded in agreement. Aaron grudgingly agreed to comply, and Stephen said he would as well. As they drew closer to the inner ring, that's capital I, capital R. Do you remember that's like the center of the city? Yeah. Uh, Henry noticed a sign on a storefront. He stopped, cursing under his breath, as he looked at a picture of himself and Margot. He knew the picture could make their trip through town harder, although the toughest part would still probably be sneaking into the palace. Margot, he called. I think we're going to need some disguises. The black-haired mage walked over and frowned at the picture of herself. All right, same as yesterday, she said. Starting with Henry and finishing with herself, she applied the same spell she had yesterday morning to everyone. When she had finished, Aaron pointed at Stephen and said, that spell didn't work on that spell didn't work yesterday on him. How so? Margot asked defensively. Well, that soldier in the bar seemed to recognize him. And didn't you notice all the people who were acknowledging him the whole way home? Henry looked at Margot shrugging. He hadn't noticed anything odd the day before, and he figured the soldier was just being nice. I think the soldier was probably just mistaken, Henry suggested. Aaron shook her head, saying, I don't think that was it. Uh, where were we? All right. Sorry, taking off my glasses. Shouldn't read with my glasses. They're just for distance. The spell works, but it is very weak. It can stop a casual observer, that's all, Margot explained. If it were stronger, the spell itself might be noticed. Ah. Looking at Stephen, he realized the young man hadn't said a thing. He stood sheepishly watching the argument, but contributed nothing. Henry thought he might even be blushing. Aaron tapped Stephen on the shoulder. Shouldn't we be... Tapped Stephen on the shoulder. Shouldn't we be going, she suggested. Okay, I don't know why she tapped Stephen on the shoulder. That's a little bit of a mystery to me. All right. Stephen nodded and began leading Aaron and the two mages onwards towards the inner ring. 
After Aaron's comment, Henry started to watch any soldiers as they passed. There did seem to be far more, but most gave them no notice, apparently annoyed to be stationed at all. He guessed they were working overtime thanks to their little getaway the day before. Oh yeah, that was their getaway. You know what? This isn't a drinking break, but I feel like I've been reading too much. Mm. Oh yeah. All right. Both foot and wheeled traffic on the road began to congest as they approached the gate through the inner ring's wall. Stephen, who was considerably taller than the other three, groaned when they were moments away from the gate. He moved to the edge of the road to stop and talk to everyone. There must be 20 soldiers stationed at the gate, and maybe another 10 mages, he said. That's why things are so congested here. They're stopping and searching every cart and carriage. Some people are being stopped as well. Some people are being stopped as well. <laughs> I th- I feel like accent on that kind of mattered. Yeah, it sounded weird the first time I said it. All right. Henry didn't like the prospects of passing through the gate undetected. While his ego told yeah, while his ego told him there it'd be no problem, his common sense stepped in and reminded him of his shortcomings. Furthermore, he knew that drawing attention via a massive fight would only bring more mages and soldiers. He looked to Margot, who could probably lend a more reasonable solution. With all eyes now on her, Margot said, I can probably create a diversion. If I try anything to hide us, those mages will notice in a split second. What kind of diversion, Eren asked. It would have to be interesting enough for them to abandon the gates, Henry pointed out. Let me take care of it. Everyone follow me, and when I get a bit closer, I'll cast a spell, she commanded. Ooh, she commanded. Let me take care of it. All right. <clears throat> Margo, <sighs> my voice is cracking an awful lot today. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Margo led the way closer to the gate, and Henry could now see that Stephen had not exaggerated when describing the defenses at the gate. <laughs> A line of horse-drawn carts clogged the street, and each was being searched by soldiers and a mage. Other soldiers stood at attention around the gate itself. Red-robed mages walked back and forth across the street, looking for signs of their fugitives. Henry hoped Margot appreciated the scale of what she would need to do. When they were drawing near to the gate, Margot stopped walking and signaled for the others to join her. You know, just as an aside, these this is the second time they've stopped on the freaking road, this congested road. So they're just blocking traffic, like standing here having a conversation. And I freaking hate when that happens. Like, I guess, you know, on the road, that's not a good example. Maybe like a crowded street, but like I was thinking like at the amusement park or something, if you go there and like, you know, a family of seven decides to just stop and look at a map right in the middle of a walkway or, um, oh, you know, if you go to like talk about congestion, like, uh, like a baseball game, that's not even a good example. Like a basketball game, like somewhere in an arena where it's real compressed and people just stop to like, Hey, you want to get some pretzels? Can I get the cheese dip this time? God damn it. Why didn't you decide that before you started walking? Because now you're holding my life up because I got to try to get around you. It's just so, so annoying. So these people are annoying the shit out of me right now. All right. 
Uh, without a word, she, uh, should I go back? Let's go back. Let's go back. When they were drawing near to the gate, Margot stopped walking and signaled for the others to join her. Without a word, she closed her eyes and lifted her arms slightly at her sides. I, f- I feel like that's going to be like um, a Catholic priest blessing the, uh, you know, when he blesses the gifts. 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 When he puts his hands up at his side, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she stood like this for an awkwardly long period as people tried to squeeze around the stationary four. See? See? Oh my god, I'm so annoyed with these people. You know what? That's gonna have to be a discussion question, right? Oh my god. Right? Blocking a road? Ugh. Okay. Let's see. Uh, suddenly, Margot produced a sharp exhale and opened her eyes. <sighs> All right, just keep walking toward the gate, she said. The group started moving again. Just when Henry was getting nervous that nothing would happen, a loud crash came from behind them. Almost everyone on the street trying to enter the inner ring turned to see what the noise was, including Henry. Margot turned to her now stationary companions and commanded, Keep moving! Another loud boom came from behind them, but this time screams accompanied it. Without stopping, Henry turned to see a comically large bearded man with a staff appearing from the, from a side street. He pointed his staff and fired a massive fireball from it, which flew over their heads and into a nearby building. Everyone was screaming now, and any order that had been maintained at the gate was crumbling as people fled through to the relative safety behind the ancient wall. The mages and soldiers began yelling conflicting orders, and Henry watched as the majority of them charged down the street towards the giant man, who continued to issue fireballs towards the wall of the inner ring. With bemusement, he noticed that the fireball had struck the building above them. He noticed that... Oh, God. All right. With bemusement, he noticed that the fireball that had struck the building above them had not done even a slight bit of damage. That was a freaking tongue twister. (laughs) Everything they were seeing was an elaborate illusion constructed by Margot. Run, Margot yelled, and charged towards the gate like most of the crowd was doing now. Was now doing, sorry. At the wall, nervous soldiers were quickly ushering people through as more fireballs struck the wall. The four passed under the massive archway without anyone taking notice of them. Within the wall, the mayhem continued with people fleeing the scene outside the wall, allowing the four to continue to run towards the palace anonymously. Additional soldiers were now charging toward the wall as reinforcements. Wall, 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 wall. God, that word was getting annoying. Margot, still leading the group, turned down a small side street and stopped, breathing heavy. She sat down on the curb and leaned back on her hands, trying to catch her breath. Sorry, sometimes when I say how they're sitting, I try to picture it while I read ahead a little bit. and So that's why I get those pauses, because I'm trying to figure out what the hell I meant. Even though their sprint through the gate was short, Henry knew the elaborate illusion she had created had drained her energy. She sat exhausted, trying to catch her breath. Stephen began laughing. What was that? That was amazing, he exclaimed. I can't believe that worked. Erin joined him. That was genius, Margot, she said. 
Margot forced a smile as she finally began to catch her breath. Thanks, she managed. Henry gave her a warm smile, simply saying, You've still got it. Oh, it's like a buddy-buddy thing to say. Ugh. <laughs> Drinking break! Ooh. Mm. I'm going to peek ahead and see when the next drinking break is. Oh my god, we're almost done with this friggin' chapter? Alright, well. This is just, we were flying through that. I thought there'd be like three or four drinking breaks. My bad. Mm. Okay. Here we go. Erin was starting to feel more confident in the two mages leading her around. Margot's ruse had worked wonderfully, although she guessed the soldiers and majors, not mages, would know soon enough that it had been some sort of distraction. Within the inner ring, things seemed much the same as the previous day to Erin. The four walked the same route as before. On their way to the Riverside Boulevard, Erin saw nothing out of the ordinary, not even a more noticeable presence of guards. When they arrived at the boulevard, however, things appeared more difficult. Far down the road, she could see a large bulge of armed men standing at the palace gates. Stationed along the fence at regular intervals were additional soldiers. More red-caped men seemed to be walking up and down the street as well. While the other three stood looking at the scene, Aaron said, We can't go this way. We'll be picked, up. We'll be picked out in a second. There was silence after her statement from her, from her companions. Let's just take the back road we escaped on yesterday. The one with the bar. I'll bet there's a back door to that temple. That'll be guarded too, Henry pointed out. Not like this street, though, Aaron said. <laughs> Sorry, page turn. <laughs> Sounds like a plan, Stephen said, turning back the way they had came to find a parallel side street. After a handful of turns, they found themselves on a side street running parallel <laughs> to, the, to the palace's boulevards, as they wanted. <laughs> when they glanced down the, the side roads, they could see the tall wrought iron fences surrounding the royal grounds and gardens. They could also see the soldiers and mages that they were avoiding, none of which took any notice of the anonymous pedestrians on the back road. Eventually, they found themselves at the rear of the Temple of Colors. Aaron smiled as they arrived, for there, were, bleh, for there was a simple, unguarded door on the rear of the white stone building. Stephen moved to try it, but Margot rushed to stop him. Wait, she cried. Stephen turned to the mage, confused. There's something strange about that door. Margot walked closer to inspect the simple wooden panel set into the white stone. She tilted her head, knelt down, and stood again. Reaching into thin air, Margot produced what she appeared to be which Margot produced what appeared to be an ornate magnifying glass. She held the lens to her eyes and laughed. This is like the first time she's reached into thin air in a while, I kind of feel like, don't you think? I don't know if she did it last week even once. Huh. Amateurs, she scoffed. Turning to the other three, she said, It's fake. There's no door. It's meant as a trap. I, th uh, I think. She handed the lens to Aaron. Aaron held the lens up to her right eye, closing her left. 
To her amazement, the door in the wall disappeared, replaced only with continuous wall. She marveled at the lens before handing it to Stephen. How do we get in now? Aaron asked to see if anyone had any ideas. Stephen was busy with his own fascination with the lens and gave no sign of hearing the question. Aaron watched as Henry stared at the building before them, rubbing his chin. He, that means he's thinking. He paced along the wall until he arrived at the far corner, peering down the alley along the side of the building. He continued to study the wall, walking a few paces back towards the waiting travelers. What is this lens? Stephen blurted out in amazement. Aaron grabbed the lens from him, annoyed. It doesn't matter! She handed the lens back to Margot, who disappeared it quickly, watching Henry with suspicion the whole time. Stephen, the doorway in the temple was in this corner, correct? Stephen asked, or Henry asked, without looking. That's right, Stephen replied. Right about here, Henry asked, waving his hand in the stark wall, at the stark wall. I'd say so, Stephen said. Aaron glanced at Margot, who was now squinting and frowning at Henry. Before he, she could speak, Henry solved their problem. Placing one foot behind him, Henry thrust both arms forward, wrists together, palms facing the wall. A burst of light shot from his hand, smashing into the wall, sending a ring of heat outward from the impact. Dust filled the air as the noise of the crushing rock reached their ears. Henry waved his right arm, sending a gust of air in front of them to clear the dust away. Before him in the wall now stood a gaping hole, large enough for a person to walk through, leading into the building. Henry slapped his hands together and smiled at his companions. Stephen stood with his eyebrows raised and surprised. Aaron was speechless. Damn it, Henry! Margot yelled. What is wrong with you? How is this even remotely discreet? Uh, let's hurry through before we're noticed, Henry said in a bemused voice. Margot, I expect you can cover our tracks. All four ran in through the hole. Margot, the last one through, the last through, turned as she passed and cast a spell that appeared to repair the wall. I don't think it actually did. I think it's an illusion. Yes, yes. But that is the end of chapter 16. So that was a pretty exciting chapter, don't you think? They went back into the city, but it wasn't just them walking around. It was a little more succinct. Um, do you see what I mean? Margot really shined this chapter, right? Because she had that, she created that big, scary, like, Gandalf-looking thing, right? I realize Gandalf is a copyrighted character of uh, the J.R.R. Tolkien estate, but you know what I mean. Big bearded man with a staff shooting fireballs. Yeah, that works. That works. It was a good distraction. I couldn't remember what I used for her distraction. For some reason, I thought it was like a monster, like a big lumbering giant or something, but... It wasn't. It was fake magic. I guess that makes sense. You want the the mages to kind of think, oh, I can fight this. It's just some tall man using magic. That kind of makes sense, I guess. But that was a good Margot chapter. And then and then she she uh, saved Stephen from like setting off that trap by trying to grab at that non-existent door. Huh? That was wow. That was exciting too. <laughs> mm. So in the meantime. 
I did get a little more bourbon because I'm surprised how fast that chapter went. Like seven pages and we're knocking this out and it's this podcast is probably going to be about 35 minutes long when it's all said and done. I'm very impressed. So anyway, let's move on to some discussion questions. All right. So we're in chapter 16. Okay. Um, let me see. So first question, right? Uh, they tell Marissa that they will be home for dinner. Do you think they'll be home for dinner? <laughs> I found that to be a hilarious uh, piece of foreshadowing. I can't. Well, how could they possibly make it home? They're breaking into a goddamn palace. No. So do you think they'll be home for dinner? I mean, they are magical, maybe. I don't seem to have that kind of... I'm not that fast, I guess. I don't know. That seems a little outrageous, right? All right. Question two. I did talk about this somewhat, right? We had a little aside about blocking walking paths like they did twice in this freaking chapter. You know, all right. So my question is, does that annoy you when a large group of people stop and get in the way? And you know what? I'm just going to, uh, if your answer is no, that's because you're them. You're that jerk who stops to look at the bus schedule or, what else would you do? Or uh, try to figure out, yeah, stare at your phone to try to figure out GPS because you can't find which way the Statue of Liberty is, even though it's, what, 15 stories tall? Come on. I'm, I'm sick of you people. Stop getting in my way. So are you one of those people? And if you aren't, tell me how much you hate them because I hate them. Jesus Christ. All right. Question three. What was that magnifying glass, huh? That one, so Margot produced a magnifying glass that made the door disappear when you look through it, you know? I was kind of thinking, um, it made me kind of think of originally of the Amber Spyglass. That's from the, uh, his Dark Materials trilogy. Um, what is it? The, uh, what's the first book of that? Oh, The Golden Compass, at least in the U.S. I think it's called something else, some in, maybe? Or am I thinking of Harry Potter now? Anyway, I think it's called The Golden Compass, The Subtle Knife, and The Amber Spyglass. Yeah, that's how that goes. And by the way, if you're American, guess what? You got gypped because they censored the American version of The Amber Spyglass. Yeah, it's a load of bullshit. But anywho, I was kind of thinking of it like uh, like that. Kind of ornate and fancy. That's probably why it's in the book. I mean, 2011? It hadn't been too long since I had read that, I guess. So... Yeah, uh, I don't know, but what did it make it do? So it could see through illusions? I guess, I mean, what? I don't know. I I'd like some more explanation for that, but it was such a passing event. I don't know. I guess, you know, I think that's part of the mystery that is Margot. She just has things that are magical with her, right? But not that that's really been borne out in the rest of the book. <laughs> You know what I mean. I like to I like to read into like why I did things at the time, but it's super inconsistent in this book. I, I can't get enough of it. It's so funny. But anyway, uh, that is the end of today's episode. Uh, I don't think there's anything much else to add. If you are writing a book for National Novel Writing Month, best of luck to you. And just think, if you finish your book, you too could have a sweet podcast like this, huh? You could be recording it in your basement in front of a live studio audience, right? Yep, see, they're a little quiet today, but that's okay. And uh, you could have this uh, 
you could actually put it up for sale and maybe sell one. That's always fun. Uh, don't get me wrong. This Just reading this over again, I'm like, oh, that's why nobody buys this. Oh, I see again. <laughs> but if you do want to buy it, you can go to jeffreadsbook.com and there is an Amazon link where you can buy the print or ebook version. Very exciting. I don't think anybody's bought it since I started doing this podcast. Which, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. You're going to hear the audiobook version of it anyway, am I right? Yeah. So why would you actually purchase it? That seems silly. But, you know, do it anyway, because i got to pay for this microphone somehow. <laughs> We're just trying to... The whole point of this podcast was to cover the cost of the microphone I bought to make it, which was $40, so... And here we are not crossing that threshold. <laughs> I'm fine with it. If nobody buys anything, this is too funny. I can't stop laughing at it anyway. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you want to buy a copy, jeffreadsbook.com. Uh, I got some contact information on there. So if you want to hit me up, uh, you can email me at jba at sdf.org. If you're a big nerd, you can reach me at jba at mastodon.sdf.org on Mastodon in the Fediverse or whatever the crap they call it. Or if you're a regular person, like Sam Sandwich, Sam Sandwich 1, wasn't that your handle? I think so. Yeah, yeah, I got that tweet probably a couple days late, but uh, you can hit me up on Twitter, all right, at Fortran Jeff. Send me a tweet and tell me what you think of this episode, or if you're excited, or if you hated having a guest on, or if you think that, or, you know what, just send it to tell me that you listened to it, because I don't have listener numbers. I have no idea how to look that up. I've looked at the server logs, and I'm not real sure which ones are real and which ones are fake. So, whatever. I'm fine with it. Maybe nobody's listening, right? I would guess my wife will listen to this episode. We'll see. Anywho, uh, that about wraps it up. So, uh, make sure you check in next week for episode 17, where we'll be reading chapter 17. But until then, keep on reading! Keep on reading!